Thank you so much to our team. Don't you want to give them just a round of appreciation? Just, you know, just to be ready, not only musically, but in the spirit to be able to just go with where the Lord wants us to go. It's such a fantastic privilege. It's wonderful to just feel like, a, I know the Proteas are playing cricket at some point right now somewhere. Nobody's allowed to watch the score while I'm preaching, by the way, or anything like that. But it's been nice to have a bit of a calmer day in terms of just all the things happening. And it's been so wonderful to see all the celebrations in our nation over this past week. And, uh, and, but I'm so glad I wasn't part of it. I feel such empathy for those poor Springbok guys. I think they must be exhausted by now. But uh, sure, they're enjoying it all the more. So we're busy with our, our series entitled Free Indeed. I'm going to switch over to microphones. So we're doing a series that will take us into December entitled Free Indeed, and we are considering what it means to be free and the freedom that we have in Christ. We sang so much about that, and it's such an emotive topic, isn't it, where, where we desire freedom, and what does that freedom mean? So last week we spoke about, and I really sort of lay a foundation about this, this idea of freedom, and where we first of all have to understand if we're going to experience freedom, that freedom is not taken away from us because of external realities but because of an internal problem that we have. That so often we think I'm not free because of the government or because of the economy or because of my neighbors or because of my spouse or because of my children or because of my parents. It's, we can blame so many things for, for reasons why we don't live free. But ultimately the gospel tells us what keeps us enslaved and in bondage is not external things, it's not other people, it's not other realities, it's that which is inside of us and that is sin. And how Jesus came to die for us to ultimately set us free from, from sin and from the rulership of sin. And today I want to take that a little bit further. Probably over this series what's going to be happening is just layer upon layer building our thoughts and what we believe around this idea of freedom. And so today what I want to do is talk about what is freedom. What does this word mean, freedom? It's a word that has been considered for thousands of years. What does this word mean and how do we achieve it? Lots of philosophy, lots of political theory, lots of just writing and songs and thinking about this word freedom and how do we achieve it and what does it mean to be free. So what I'd like to do just to begin with is to take basically what in philosophy and, and, and in secular sort of thinking, one concept of how we understand freedom and just sort of quickly describe that for us in a very abridged and abbreviated form. When we think about freedom, the thinkers that have told us that there's two sides to freedom. This idea, this concept of freedom has two sides to it. They talk about positive freedom and negative freedom. The things that we are free to experience, to enjoy, to have, to do, those are positive freedoms. And then they talk about negative freedom, freedoms of, freedom from, from things, not to things, but from things. Not only am I, am I free when I'm able to do certain things, I'm also free when I'm able to not experience certain things, to not be caught up in certain things. And so what I would like to talk, I, I've sort of rephrased it in, a, in a, perhaps what is a bit more of a biblical understanding to say, freedom consists of what I'm free to and what I'm free from. What am I free to and what am I free from? So worldly thinkers and secular thinkers if you go look at the word freedom and the first part, the positive freedom, it's described, for instance, in the Oxford Dictionary as the word freedom is described as the power or right to act, to speak or think as one wants. That's a very positive approach to freedom. What I mean by positive is it's a, freedom is about something you do. It's the power or right to act, speak or think as one wants. How many of you know that freedom gives you the opportunity. If you're a free person, it's partly because you have the opportunity to do what you think is important and what you want to do. So like, I want to be free to eat ice cream. It's a very important freedom in my life. Amen? Some of you, not so sure. You know, in our household, there's always at least four liters of ice cream in the freezer somewhere. Sometimes I've hidden it away under a lot of other things, like healthy things where the boys won't look for it. But the, if there's not four liters of ice cream, we've got a crisis. It's like national emergency. We always have ice cream. We may not have other things, but we always need to have, because I want to be free 
to when I feel like it, enjoy. And I, there's nothing worse than a Saturday afternoon. You know, everybody's business is quiet. I'm watching, watching some sport, and it comes over me. That godly, <laughs> divinely inspired desire for some ice cream. And then I want to be free to enjoy ice cream. That means there has to be ice cream. Otherwise, somebody's going to the shop. We're free to do what we think is important, what we think is how we express ourselves. We want to say the things. Are you free? Like Robbie celebrated this morning that we are free to worship in this nation. That's a positive freedom that we have. We are free to experience. We're free towards something. In philosophy now, it's described as this. A being's capacity to work towards their goal is their freedom. When a, when a being can live that which it thinks is what its life is about and what is important, there's freedom in that. If I take away your freedom to be able to aspire to something, to live for something that you feel is important, then there's a, a certain loss of freedom, isn't there? So freedom is freedom too. But the thinkers say not only are we free to certain things, we also need to understand that freedom involves being freedom, free from certain things. So for instance... Epicurus, one of the Greek philosophers, said the following. He said, freedom is not fulfilling all desires. Freedom is not fulfilling all desires. So on the one hand, we have this positive idea of freedom. Freedom is to fulfill desires. It's the ability to do what you want. But then Epicurus says, but freedom is also the freedom to not fulfill all desires. How many of you know it's great that I'm free to enjoy ice cream? But if I'm not free from ice cream, I'm also not free. What I mean by free from ice cream, if one bowl is never enough, if every day I have to have ice cream, then I may be free to enjoy ice cream, but I'm actually not free from ice cream. I'm not speaking out of any personal experience. This is just, just you know, just hypothetically. It's like you may be free in your conscience to enjoy one glass of wine. But how many of you know that if you can't stop with one glass of wine, but it becomes two, three, four, five, six, seven, every day you begin to drink until you can't remember the yesterday anymore. How many of you know you're not, you may be free to enjoy wine, but now you're not free from wine anymore? Because now you have a problem. You, the world, we have a term for that. You become an alcoholic possibly. So you may be free to enjoy something, but your freedom is curtailed because you're not free from something. Does that make sense to you? So whenever we think of freedom, we always have to think of it from those two sides. The challenge we face in the world that you and I live in today is that the world is heavily slanted towards the positive idea of freedom. Basically, in popular culture, which is espoused by the media, which is espoused by social media, which is espoused by, you know, entertainment, which is generally the, the truth we all live by and believe as people in this world is that freedom is the positive side of it only, exclusively. You are free only if you can do what you want. If anything stops you from doing what you want, that thing is keeping you from freedom. But Epicurus says, freedom is not fulfilling all desires. Aristotle Put it a bit more sharply, he said this, through discipline comes freedom. Through discipline, what is discipline? Discipline is when I do not give in to my desires. Discipline is when I've had that bowl of ice cream with a little bit of fruit on top and some cream and perhaps a bit of chocolate to say no to the second one. Amen? Amen? That's discipline. Every one of us knows that you cannot give in to all your desires. Amen? Amen. Uh, are we sure, people? <laughs> we have all been blessed with these amazing desires. That's what part of what makes us alive, what makes us human, is that we have such strong desires, such powerful desires, but we know that I cannot give in to every desire then I won't be free. Freedom is the ability to discipline my desires in whatever sphere or aspect I might think. 
So it's always this tension, this balance that I have to maintain. Now, how do I maintain that balance? How do I decide what am I free to and what am I free from? And how to manage that in my life? I want to suggest to you that in order for us to understand freedom, we always have to link freedom to purpose. Why does a thing exist? If you want to ask how is something free, you have to consider why it exists in the first place. I have this knife, which is one of our knives from our home, comes out of our cutlery receptacle. We have like a thing at home. It's got three sections to it, knives, forks, and spoons. And so whenever we sit down for a meal, somebody just brings this thing over, plonks it in the middle, and then we grab a knife and fork out of it. So, except at special meals. Then we've got special cutlery, and if new people come, then we do special cutlery. <laughs> so if you come to our house and we plonk the receptacle in the middle, you know you're considered to be part of our household by now, because that's what we do. So it, it has lots of knives in it. So I want to ask you the question this morning, which may sound like a silly question, but go with me. When is a knife free? When is a knife a free knife? Not, I mean, you don't pay for it. I mean, in its existence, when would a knife be a free knife? Now, I'm suggesting to you, if you want to answer that question, you have to ask, what is the purpose of a knife? To know if a knife is free, you have to consider why that knife exists in the first place. So hence my example of this knife. This is one of our knives that on a particular day, somebody in our household needed to unscrew something and was too lazy or too busy or too something to walk 10 meters to go get a screwdriver. So that person, which shall not be named, but you know them very well. In fact, you are looking at them, but we shall not name them. Love yourself, you know. That person decided to use this knife as a screwdriver. And if the camera can pick up, I don't know how the camera will pick up. That's a bit difficult for you to see. But I hope you can see this knife is now bent at the top. It's going this direction and this direction all at the same time. It's bent. So this knife I want to propose to you is no longer a free knife. Why? Because it cannot fulfill its purpose. So every day we take that receptacle, we put it on the table when we sit down and eat as a family, and I've noticed nobody ever uses this knife. <laughs> it lies there, it's clean, it's wonderful, it's got a nice edge to it, it fulfills all the requirements, but nobody uses it because it cannot fulfill the purpose anymore for which it was made. This knife was made for the purpose of using to cut food. Not steak in particular, you know, but general use of food. That's why it was made. It was never made to be a screwdriver. That's why it's made from a softer metal, not a strong enough metal. It was made to be shiny and more decorative. My screwdriver doesn't look like this. It generally is a bit rougher. But my screwdriver generally has a hardened tip so that I can use it with some torque behind it to, to, to loosen something. This was never created with that purpose. And now because I used it for a purpose other than it's made for purpose, it got damaged. And now because it's damaged, we can't use it for its intended purpose anymore. Amen? So when is this knife free? This knife is free when it can be used for what it was made for. The moment it gets damaged and it can't be used for what it was made for, it loses its freedom. Now, this knife is still a knife. How many of you would recognize that you would still call this a knife? Still a knife. It has all the potential of a knife. All that's required is somebody needs to just go and correct their mistake and bend this thing straight and then it can be used. Now, why somebody hasn't done that in like, I think this has happened like five, six years ago. It's a mystery. Nobody will know. But now this knife is in that condition. Okay? So you're with me. So let's take that thought a little further. When is a lion, whoopsie, when is a lion a free lion? Now, how do you answer that question? If I ask you, when is a lion free, how do you ask, the, what, what is the question you must ask to begin to answer that question? What's the purpose of a lion? Anybody have an idea of what the purpose of a lion is? Let's, let's roughly describe it like this. The purpose of a lion is to live within its natural habitat, to be free to hunt and eat, prey, and to procreate. Would you feel comfortable in general with that definition? 
Amen? Let's stay there. So if I take our lion out of its natural environment and I put it in a cage, would you consider that lion still to be free? Why not? It's still a lion. In fact, it's the same lion. It still has teeth. Even if it's in a cage, I wouldn't advise you to go and visit it inside the cage. How many of you have ever done that? Gone to pat a lion. I've done that, I remember years and years ago in my life, I was actually quite small, and my parents took me, I thought it was a good idea. Like the lion was bigger than me. I have to go pat the lion. All I remember is the lion stank terribly. It was like, whoa, man. But we don't go climbing the cage with a lion even if, it's, if we say it's not free. Why? Because it's still a lion. It still has the nature of a lion. It still has the potential. It has the teeth. It has the claws. It has the same desires. It has the hunger. It's still a lion. But it's not free. Why? Because it cannot express itself in, in its purpose. To be free on a natural habitat, to hunt and to procreate. That's been taken away from it. So the lion, though still a lion, we would consider that lion not to be free. Okay, are we good? Let's take it one step further. When is a human free? When is a human free? So what's the question you must ask me if I ask you that question? What is the purpose of a human? Hey, you're so clever, you know, so good. Especially my renter crowd over here. <laughs> <You know. laughs> what is the purpose of a human? Now, how do you answer that? Fortunately, we as Christians have an answer for that that was provided for us from the most holy book, the Bible. Tells us. Tells us why humans exist. To put it short, to put it just to the point, humans were made, the purpose of every human being is to glorify God. What does that mean? to glorify God, is to show who God is, to reflect God, to make God known. So therefore, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, I was made in the image of God. I share some of God's characteristics. I am not God, I'm not completely like God, but if you look at me as a human being, as I look at you, any human being, we were made to in some ways reflect who God is, to share Him with the rest of creation. We were endowed with certain natural characteristics and abilities to reflect God. That's why we exist. That's our purpose. So when would a human not be free? When would, when would a human be in bondage? When a human is not able to do what it was created to do, which is to reflect who God is, to live God's character, to live God's nature. So because I was made with that in mind, God made and constructed a human with certain natural tra traits and abilities. We would call a human has a certain nature, which is different than the nature that animals have. I'm free when I'm able to live that nature. A lion is free when it's able to live its nature. I'm free when I'm able to live my nature. Those aren't the same things. How many of you recognize that God made a lion for other purposes than he made me, and therefore, because he made that lion with a purpose, he gave it the nature it needed to fulfill its purpose. But he gave me a nature that helps me fulfill my purpose. So there are things that I can't do that a lion can do. Because if I do them, I'm going against my nature. If a lion does them, he goes with his nature. So, lions, for instance, don't get married. I don't know if any of you have driven in the Kruger and seen a ceremony take place <laughs> with some poor zebra officiating. The zebra is not only the pastor, he's also the meal afterwards. We don't see that. Generally, animals are free to be able to sleep around, let's put it in human terms. Animals can... If the desire comes over them, go for it. They don't have to curtail or discipline. They can react to their instinct. Whenever it's that time of the year, whenever it's appropriate, they go for it. And it's right for them. When a lion procreates, as the feeling comes over them, we look at them and say, that lion is free. Is it the same for a human being? No, why not? Because we were made to reflect who God is. 
We were made to live in God's image, to live life the way God wants it to be lived. And so when it comes to humans, he says, no, 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 listen, I've put certain things in place that you must act accordingly because this is why I made you. This is your nature. Do you believe me? So let's take a step back. In this country, I'm free to drive on any road I want to with any vehicle I want to. I'm free to do that. As long as I have one of these things, a valid license, driver's license, and my vehicle is licensed, I can drive on any road whenever I want to with any vehicle I want to. The government cannot tell me. I'm free to drive. But how many of you know, because I'm not the only driver on the road, I also have to have discipline in my driving. So I may be free to drive on every, whatever road I want with whichever vehicle I desire, but I'm not free to drive at whatever speed I want. And I'm not free to drive with whatever substance in my body that I want to have at that moment. To be free to drive on our roads, I have to respect and be disciplined according to the laws of the road that our government put in place. Because that's just reality. So when God made a human being, he said, I want you to be free. Let's talk about sexuality. If you have younger children in the room, I'm not, not going to get graphic or anything. But bless you for the conversations you're going to have to have. <laughs> God made us with, with sexual desires as human beings. Are we okay with that? We have them because God gave them to us. Now, you don't have to fulfill those desires. You can be a happy, thriving human being and never have to fulfill that desire. As controversial as that may sound in our modern culture, the Bible says that. We don't have to, but we've been given it. And guess what? God wants you to be free in your sexuality. God wants you to enjoy the desires, the urges he's given you. He wants you to enjoy them. He wants you to be free. You can decide who you're going to enjoy your sexuality with. That's up to you. God's not going to decide that for you. You can decide where you've got freedom. But in God's law, he's also put some restrictions in place, some boundaries, some laws. Where do those laws come from? Are they arbitrary laws that God just went, I want you to have fun, but not too much. So let's put some laws in place. No, no. Where does the law come from? The law comes from your purpose and your nature. Because you are not a screwdriver. You were made with a purpose in mind. Therefore, you have certain things that you can't do. You were made as a human being to reflect who God is. Therefore, you have moral capacities, which a lion doesn't have. You have emotional capacity. You have relational sensitivity that a lion doesn't have. So therefore, you cannot be free and do the same thing. You have to determine, how do I practice my freedom within the context of my design, my created order, my nature? And therefore, God said, for you to be free in your sexuality... It belongs within the confines of a covenantal marriage between one man and one woman. That's how I designed you. So when I act in that, I am free. God doesn't decide who I marry. That's my decision. Amen? I know we say, the, you know, sometimes the desperate guy will go to the girl and say, the Lord told me that you must marry me. I have my own series about what the girls should do in that moment. I, I'm sure I prayed and I said, Lord, I remember I prayed, like, who must I marry? You know, and one day I was like, I fell in love with Natasha and the Lord said, I said, like, Lord, is this my wife? Must I marry her? And I was praying and, and I was praying and the Lord one day said to me, just make up your mind. I'm not marrying her. You are marrying her. <laughs> And what the Lord was actually saying to me, stop putting the responsibility on me. Take your responsibility for your own choices. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, let's, let's get back. <laughs> so as a human being within the confines and the construct of my 
purpose and my capacities and my nature, there are things that God puts in place, disciplines, that if I stay in them, I will be free. If I stray outside of them, I actually give up freedom. You can have as much ice cream as you want, but at some point you're going to begin to pay the price for it. You are both free to and you are free from. And that's very important for us to understand. Why am I created? What was I made for? How do I reflect who God is? Remember Jesus said in John 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy? How does he do that? You know how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? He comes by lying to you about your purpose. He comes to pull the wool over your eyes, to deceive you as to why you exist and what, what you're actually about, and what your nature is, and why you live on this planet. He does exactly what he did to Adam and Eve. He twists the truth. Did God really say, ah, God's holding out on you? You know, God will say, surely God wants me to be free and enjoy what I want to enjoy. The enemy comes and he just begins to deceive us, lie. And as soon as we begin to agree with him, then he sells us something that he holds out will help us fulfill our purpose. But actually what it will do is it will keep us from fulfilling our purpose. It actually leads to being in bondage to something, being unable to be free from something. And that's what he does. Then, as soon as we do that, he comes and he steal, kills, and destroys. He begins to take away from you. And without you knowing it, you're even beginning to give up freedoms. Because now the thing that you wanted, you pursue, and the enemy holds it out and tells you he's going to give it to you. But actually, he's just using it as bait. And generally, that journey doesn't begin with the whole big thing. It begins with a little thing, doesn't it? A little thing. I don't know how many of you have been following um, just the sad news about Matthew Perry's death. You know, Chandler Bing from Friends. And if you've read some of what he's written and what he's spoken, he spoke so vividly and candidly and openly about his struggle with addiction. His life was ultimately taken because his body completely gave up because of all the substances that he used. He, he, he speaks in one interview about alcoholism and he says, alcoholism just wants to destroy you. It doesn't care if you've had a good day or a bad day. It doesn't care what your family thinks or doesn't think about you. It just wants to destroy you. Now, where did his journey begin? It didn't begin with alcoholism. It began with something small. Do you know where his journey began? He says it in one writing. He says, all I wanted when I was 18, 19 years old, young person, is to be rich and to be famous. That's all I wanted. And so I started doing whatever would give me that. And that introduced, ultimately, to deal with it, to live in that space, to, you know, enjoy that social dynamics of that, alcohol, pills, opioids, other things. Now, he's free. And generally, in the laws of this world, you are free to drink as much alcohol as you like. The law provides you for that. You're free. It's your choice. You can drink what you want, how much of it, what you want, whatever. As long as you don't get in a car... You know, and a few other rules, you can do what you want. But how many of you know that doesn't make you free from the consequences of what that'll do in your life? Because at some point you cross over and you're no longer free to do this, you're not free from this. It begins to take ownership of your life, and that's what we call, for instance, sometimes, and it's not the only time this happens, but we call it addiction. We sing the name of Jesus over every addiction. Because what is addiction? Addiction is saying, I give something authority over my life. I no longer have the ability to control this thing. But can I tell you, the problem is not addiction. The problem starts right here with the hearts and the desires and the wants that we have. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be a free person. I want to be free to live the way Jesus wants me to live. And that's what it means for us to be free. Why did you make me, Lord? And how do I live that freedom? So that Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. What does life and life in abundance look like for the believer? It's not about how much money you've got. It's not about your health. 
Do you know what life and life in abundance is? Life and life in abundance is the ability to live God's purpose for your life. That's life and life in abundance. The other things flow from there. That's life. That's the life in abundance that Jesus came to give us. He said, I've come to set you free from this predetermined path that will lead you to destruction, that will enslave you, that will bring you into bondage. And I've come to take you on another path which will lead to your flourishing, your abundance. But that means I'm helping you live the life I intended for you to live, which is described within my, my law. Now, we don't fulfill the law as a law. We fulfill it because we are being set free in Christ. And we are free to do that. Not just in our sexuality, but in our relationship with money, in our relationship with power, in our relationship with other people, in our relationships with our families. All we're doing is saying, Lord, I want to be free. Free to live the way you want me to live. Therefore, I need to be free from some of the things that I know that you are showing me is actually there to keep me in bondage. And that's what the life of a believer is all about. And that's what Paul describes for us in Romans. If you want to understand these issues and what truly enslaves us and how we get free from it, then study the book of Romans. It's one of the great things that Paul does. But I want to take you to Romans 6 verse 16. In Romans 6 verse 16, Paul writes and he says then, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? He's describing a phenomenon of his day, but it's still a very modern phenomenon. It's still very real that people still today believe. Oh, well, you know, so Jesus came to die for me so that I can be forgiven for my sin. So, and Jesus said, you must forgive somebody 70 times 7 their sin. So if I do the same thing 70 times 7 every day, Jesus will forgive me. So that's what makes me free. I'm actually now free to do what I want, but I'm just, Jesus saved me from the consequences, the guilt, the shame, the problems of that behavior. So that's what it means to be free. I'm free to do what I want. If you think that, then you don't have the complete picture of freedom. Freedom to, freedom from. And Christians just use it as a license. Ah, oh, you know, the God of love will never punish me. The God of love will never allow anything bad to happen to me. So therefore, I'm free. I can do what I want. And just at the end of the day, just make sure that before I go to bed, I kneel by my bed and say, Jesus, thank you that your blood cleanses me and forgives me for all my sin. <laughs> Clean slate, tomorrow I can do what I want again. That's what some people do. Because I'm not under the law anymore. Can you see the silliness of that way of thinking? Because the law is not an arbitrary law. It's a law designed to help me live free within my created purpose. It's like taking your computer for a swimming lesson and then complaining because it doesn't work. You know? If you take your computer and you swim with it, you can't say, I told you so. Nothing is really free in this world. I thought it's a good idea to swim with my computer. Now it's broken. Did the computer ever really have freedom? Do I really have freedom to do what I want? No, freedom is determined by why a thing was made. A computer was never made to swim with. If you use it to swim with, you are going against its nature, its created order. Therefore, you will damage it. And therefore, it can still, it will, it exists, but it can no longer live its purpose. I want to be free. So, Therefore, I go, Lord, teach me your ways. Thank you that you've forgiven my sin. What that means is that there's a day that I come to Lord Jesus and I say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner, man. I'm self-destructing. It's my natural bent. I try and do what is right, but I end up always fluffing it. I make mistakes. I get it right in some areas, but in so many areas, I also fail. I am a sinner, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. And then the blood of Jesus is poured over me. What does the blood of Jesus do? The blood of Jesus washes me clean. Like I've never sinned. It changes me in an instant, in a moment. I'm set free. From the judgment, the guilt, I get a fresh start. I get a new blank page. It's like God says, let's start over again. You are now going to not be under the condemnation and the bondage of slavery to sin, you can now choose differently. 
You see, while I'm in my fallen nature, in my nature of sin, I'm choosing according to that nature, which is against the nature of God. Now God says, I've cleansed you. I've set you free from that. Now you can begin to choose to be restored to the purpose I made you and to have freedom within that. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in me. It doesn't mean I stop having the potential to sin and the desires for sin. It just means I don't have to give in to that anymore. I can now say, Holy Spirit, thank you that I used to do that, but I now know that that is bondage. I can be free from that. Help me, Lord. And sometimes it takes daily decisions, but I'm beginning to walk in that, and I'm beginning to say, Lord, you are changing me. That's the road of sanctification. That's the path of discipleship. You are remaking me into the original purpose and image you had for me. You are taking this knife, and you are beginning to bend this straight again so that it can become what it was meant to be. Thank you, Jesus. And then every day I walk with Jesus, and then Paul says... So what then shall, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of that one you obey. Whether you are a slave to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. And so Paul tells us you will always be serving something. There is no such thing as absolute freedom which means you can do whatever you want. It does not exist. Not, not only in Christianity, it is not real on any place, anywhere you go. It does not exist. The absolute freedom to do whatever you want. You will always be serving something else. Either, and the options are actually just two. Either you serve that which will kill you, or you serve that which will bring you life. It's your choice. You are free to choose. But there aren't other options. It's those two options. Why? Now you may say, but that doesn't mean I'm free. No, because we're not living in nana land. We're living in a real world created by a real God with real consequences. Freedom is a real thing. It's not a hypothetical, theoretical thing. It's a real thing. Bondage is not a way of thinking. It's a real thing. It includes a way of thinking, but it's more than that. It's a real thing that has real consequences. Therefore, God says, you can either be a slave to sin which is how we are born. We are each slaves to sin, except for the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Christ. That opens the possibility for me for a second option. The second option being I can be free to do what is right. I can be free to live abundant life for which I was made, to enjoy the purpose God made me, the nature for which I was created. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm slaves to righteousness. But that makes me free. It's a bit of a strange thought, isn't it? Because of what I'm enslaved to, I'm free. Because what I'm enslaved to is I'm enslaved to living the way I was supposed to live. What I was created for. What is in line with my nature. What is completely that which will lead to my abundant life. My flourishing and my freedom. And the difference between the two is the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. So I want to ask you today. Worship team guys will you join me please. Are you free? Are you being set free? Are you living in the freedoms of Christ. Now, if we're honest to answer that question, each of us will recognize by the grace and the revelation and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, who never comes to condemn us. You know, when, the, when somebody condemns you, they tell you, you are bad and there's nothing to be done about it. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts. He never condemns. He says, you, you are bad, but we can do something about it. We can change it because of what Jesus did. And if we're honest, all of us can recognize in our lives areas that even though I gave my heart to Jesus, even though the blood has washed me, even though I've been set free from the final condemnation of sin, that there's still areas that I'm wrestling. Where every now and then I give in and I, and I allow my freedom to be taken. My freedom in Christ. And those things can be at various stages of progression. Sometimes I'm still in the phase where this is a temptation that I every now and then do. 
and, and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, and I'm going to try better. But sometimes that's progressed, and it's now started becoming a habit. And, and my heart is starting to get hardened. And, and if, if it's progressed even further than that, it's become a lifestyle. And then if it progresses further than that, it becomes my prison. And it defines my life. But the blood of Jesus has been given to me. I want to tell you today that we speak the name of Jesus. There's nothing in this world that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. There is no addiction. There's no habit. There's no sin that is more powerful than the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. All I need is to begin to put faith in the name of Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, set me free. Now, if I have a very advanced form of a sin in my life, it may require that I go for counseling. It may be requiring that I go for rehabilitation, that I go for, you know, just learning what it means to be free. And, and I need some help in that. And I need prayer ministry. And I need a support of a community. It may take me, you know, a while. But it's possible. It's possible. Because I've been set free by the name of Jesus. I no longer have to do that. So I want to say to you today, you can be free. You can be free. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's, you were made to be free. If you were not made to be free, then I couldn't say to you, you can be free. But you were made for freedom. You were made to live life to the fullest. You were made for joy and peace and victory. That's what you were made for. And that's what Jesus comes to do. Won't you stand with me? Lord, I want to thank you for every beautiful human being in this room, online, Thank you, Lord, that every single person, those on radio that hears this, every single person is made by you for you, for your purposes. That everyone has the capacity and the capability to live lives that glorify you, to be free. I thank you for that, Jesus. That that is the truth. Every one of us, Lord. It doesn't matter what our history is. It doesn't matter where we come from, what our culture is, what our heritage is. It doesn't matter what our bodies tells us. It doesn't matter what our genetic code tells us. We are all created to be free. That journey of freedom looks different for different people. But we were made to glorify you. And so I pray for that truth right now, Lord Jesus. To settle into the deepest places of our hearts so that when the, when the winds of this current doctrine of the world wants to come and blow against us and, and give us half-baked theories on freedom, that we will not fall for those things, Lord, but that we would have a, a truth that resonates and stands strong within us that says, no, I'm free in Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Won't you just write where you're standing just thank the Lord Jesus for the freedom that he has come to give you. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for my freedom. Thank you that I'm free, free indeed. That in you, Jesus, my freedom is an absolute freedom. Free to live the way you've created me to live. Free from the damage and the deception of sin. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we thank you for that, but the Holy Spirit will speak to us right now. And speak to us over the next couple of days and as you want to, Holy Spirit. We're not digging around. We're just saying, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's stealing my freedom, I bring it to you right now. And I ask you, Lord, bring freedom to my life. And for some of you, you immediately know. You immediately know that there's certain things that you're doing 
but you're not free from them. And it's stealing from you, it's killing, it's destroying not only you, but others around you. You know, and the only thing we can do when that is the case is to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come Holy Spirit, set me free. So I want to pray that right now. I want to pray a prayer of freedom over us today. But it does require a bit of faith. It does require a humility to say, I need freedom. So if you want to be included in this prayer this today, where it's just a simple prayer of taking authority over the deception and the bondage of sin and speaking freedom, speaking the name of Jesus. Why don't you just raise your hand this morning? And I'm not raising my hand just as an example. I'm raising my hand because I need in my own life. And if it was only ice cream, it will be fine. Lord Jesus, I thank you that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we thank you, Jesus, that the name of Jesus is not just a respected name. It's not just a wonderful name. It's not just a beautiful name. But it is the all-powerful name of the creator of all things. It is the highest authority in all of creation. That whatever is said in the name of Jesus is the final truth. And so therefore, in, the, in that name today, I speak freedom to every person that is recognizing right now and calling out to you and saying, Lord, I need freedom in Jesus' name. I speak freedom. I break the strongholds of the enemy, the lies of fear, the lies of deception, the lies, Father, that he holds us captive with. I speak over those lies today and I say you will be broken in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every addiction, we break its power over people's lives in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, for a new life, for the small steps to begin in the right direction, to walk towards freedom, Lord. And that may require every day fighting this battle, but we speak the freedom to do that over us in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Won't you just say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you appropriate to me that which Jesus has done for me. You give me that freedom today in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Freedom from anxiety. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. I see there's people in this place that, that your, your difficulty is loneliness. And not only current loneliness, but the fear of a future of loneliness. And because of that, the enemy is using that. He's manipulating you. He's monopolizing on that situation to get you to choose things that he promises you that this will lead to you not being lonely. But I want to tell you today, if you do those things, you will be more lonely than you've ever been in your life. You have to trust the Father. You have to trust and choose. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I feel the Lord saying to parents, stop parenting from fear. Stop parenting from fear. Ask me. Walk with me. Let me show you. As tough as it is, as difficult as it is, fear always leads to slavery. Fear always leads to somebody being damaged. And it's the, I'm not just saying just stop it. I'm saying come to the Holy Spirit. Let Him say, let Him ask, show you. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I thank you for your, for your working in our lives in Jesus' name. As I end the service today, I want to invite you if, you, if you feel a particular stirring in your heart just this morning of something that you know the Lord is just working with you in this moment. Perhaps he's been busy with you for a while. Then come forward today. Let our team pray with you. Let them lay hands on you. Let them stand with you in the authority in Christ. And, and just pray with you. And, and I want to advise you, if they're struggling with something in your life, one prayer may not solve the problem. It needs a journey with people to varying degrees. That's why we're a community. Don't be isolated in your struggle. Come to somebody. Walk with a right person. But freedom is what Christ has come to do for us. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. Perhaps you've been too afraid to do that because you think that that's going to lead to you having a, a life where you have no freedom. I want to tell you, don't fall for that lie. God has freedom for you. Come today. Let somebody pray with you. Say to them, I need to give my life to Jesus. And we'll pray with you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May His presence be your constant companion. May the freedom and the grace and the overflow, the abundance that He has for you become greater and greater reality in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The team's going to lead us in a song as we go out. And, but if you need prayer as we've invited you, please come to the front and let us pray for you. Remember those that wants to find out more about our community, go to the Connection Lounge. Debbie would love to meet with you there. Um, and just so good to be with you today. Those of you that joined us online, may the Lord bless you. And, and uh, you're also welcome to reach out to us according to the hello at Hatfield at, on your screen also. Thank you.